Welcome to The Music That Makes Us, a podcast of music and musicians that help shape and form various stages of our musical lives. From early childhood to early adulthood to now, we are not professional musicians of any kind, but just fans of music and how it affects our lives. So sit back and put on your headphones and take a trip back or maybe forward on this musical journey. I'm Donnie Z. And I'm Randy T. Ready to take you back to the music that makes us. For today's episode, we will be looking at some Christmas holiday music that we grew up on and how it came to be in our lives. Happy holiday, happy holiday, while the merry bells... Man, I absolutely love that beginning. I love that song. Brings back many, many a memory of our youth and obviously still carried forward. What's up, buddy? How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Uh, it's been... <laughs> We're in the holiday season, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we uh, leapfrogged over Thanksgiving and the entire month of November, and here we are. So yeah, we've both been very busy with kids uh, stuff. Yeah, I've got a state champion in football, and you've got a national champion and in CrossFit well, and well weightlifting. But you know, it's still it's still pretty cool. You know, obviously with the craziness going on and everything, but that's kind of been the focus. The last uh, two, three weeks, just getting ready for that and preparing. And, you know, granted it was virtual, so we didn't have to travel or anything, which made it a lot more easier and accessible, but didn't still didn't mean it wasn't stressful right. and everything, but still, you know, it's glad it's nice to sit down and again and, you know, chat about some tunes with you and yeah. get back to that normalcy. It's kind of been nice. The, 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 the Christmas channels come on and got me thinking on some, uh, some music, um, from our past, you know, as I'm driving, driving around from here, here to there. And, you know, I thought about this episode and I thought, you know, well, I'm going to go back and I want to, I want to research just a little bit about where did, you know, Christmas music start? Well, that was a black hole pretty much. <laughs> That, I mean, I went into it and I was like, okay, I, I can't, you know, you get origins in the fourth century Rome and then you get, you know, even further from that, the pagans celebrating the winter solstice, or, pagans. you know, so you, 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 when I got into that black hole of research, I thought, yeah, maybe this stuff isn't as important as uh, what it looked, but um it was definitely, uh, it looked like about the 1800s, uh, start, Christmas music really started picking up and getting passed down. So, that you know, that's my, my quick research, because I know we've got a lot to talk about with these songs we've tons, chosen. Tons, 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 tons. So we're doing a little different today. We split it up. Instead of talking about like band like we've done before and with artists, we decided we were each going to pick five songs that reminded us of Christmas when we were younger. Um, and we kind of went with the, uh, we said that the, uh, do they know it's Christmas is off limits just because it's, <laughs> <Yeah>. it's <laughs> just ultimately synonymous with anybody who grew up in the eighties and that holiday time. I mean, we are it's kind of weird that we grew up in the time period that gave us both live aid and band aid. So, you know, it was like, okay, so we each picked Five, mm -hmm. and we told each other what they were, so we didn't have any um, lap overlap with it. And now we're just going to kind of, you know, talk about some early memories and then bebop back and forth a little bit with uh, the, the songs we chose, a little bit about them, and then our personal connection with them. All right, um, what's your earliest memory? My earliest Christmas memory, or at least Christmas music memory, I got to go with Burl Ives singing in the. Frosty oh, and the one. Rudolph, you know, um, Christmas specials and just like thinking, oh, there's just this thing in Snowman. You know, that's what you think when you're a little kid, but then realizing, oh, he's an actual musician and singer and find out, oh, he's got a whole Christmas level of Christmas, but definitely that Burl Ives um, sound and deep voice and whatnot, almost like uh, Robert Goulet-esque baritone and everything. Okay. Um, there's some uh, Jingle Bell Rock, Hall and, Hall and Oates, a little bit more video than uh, audio, more than anything else. Um, and then, of course, the 
ever-present uh, Charlie Brown, Vince Guaraldi, Christmas arrangements and whatnot. So Very nice. Those are the first three that really kind of popped into my head more than anything else. You Whatever. know, uh, we we started this, uh, we put some bumper music in as we introduced our show, and that was uh, Steve Lawrence and Edie, Edie Gourmet. And um, I put that in. I, I My earliest memory is sitting around this console stereo of my mom's and that album Plane, and I just always couldn't wait to December to get here, so she would actually put that album on. So that album ha- actually had a lot to do with my early memories, you know, along with the Johnny Mathis Christmas, the Beach Boys. Um, she had an Alabama Christmas album in there, and there was one album I always thought was kind of interesting. It was um, it it was ca- it was called uh, Christmas Greetings. And it was a Navy recruiter album <laughs> hosted by Danny Thomas. What um, in the world? And the songs were sung and played by the U.S. Navy band and, and choirs. Wow. And it, it, my stepfather was uh, in the Navy and apparently picked it up somewhere. And um, so I still have that album today. And it's actually a pretty good album. But I, I always, you know, when I think of Christmas, I think of some of the, the tunes on that album. And Danny Thomas, you know, want you to support the Navy you know, coming out with his, uh, his, his narration on the album. That's uh, an interesting propaganda and uh, rec- <laughs> recruitment approach. If I ever. Saw yeah. One. Well, you know, I had a lot of, um, I had a lot of music that I was looking into and <clears throat> I could just, it was hard to narrow it down to five, but I did, you know, I want to mention some of the other songs, um, Tom Petty and the heartbreakers Christmas all over again. Um, Christmas Eve in Sarajevo, the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, Bare Naked Ladies, Guy Rusty, Merry Gentlemen with We Three Kings. That was sung with also Sarah McLaughlin, mm-hmm. which, you know, maybe might be on next year's, um, not next year's podcast, but this year, you know, I, 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 I wanted to start with um, a, a banger. And I think if you're going to start Christmas music, you got to start with the biggest. And uh, I had to choose White Christmas by Bing Crosby. Nice. Um you know, that, that song, is, it's longing for bygone days. Uh, and it was actually put into a film in 1942, and it was not White Christmas. A lot of people think, think oh, that song came from White Christmas. Mm-hmm. It actually did not. It came from a film called Holiday Inn, and White Christmas was kind of like a sequel to that. Interesting. And um, <clears throat> the song was written by Irvin Berlin, who's actually uh, Jewish, and... Um, What's kind of sad that I learned about this is that he had actually lost his his three week year old son Ugh. on Christmas Day, nineteen twenty eight. Oh, how awful! So this guy writes this Christmas tune, and you know, um, from what it, I understand, he and his wife would go and visit the grave. You know, every, not to bring bring it down, and, um, but would visit their son's grave every Christmas. Um, this was not supposed to be the hit of the movie, though. It was supposed to be another song. Be careful! Be careful! It's in my heart. And actually, um, Bing um, didn't even really see anything special about this song uh, originally when they when they first uh, when they first um, recorded it. But um, in, in what's interesting also about this song is it was it was um, played or sung on uh, NBC Radio on a, on the Kraft Music Hall on Christmas Day, nineteen forty one. That's the first one time it was ever heard. Interesting. And you got to think about this. This was weeks. After Pearl Harbor, wow! So you play this this song, and it's That's you know, cool. yeah, it's 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 definitely people longing for better days, and um, it's it, it was kind of cool, um, and it it's interesting that Bing the the only surviving recording of when it was first played is owned by the Bing Crosby Estate. That's the way it should be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's too much of the record companies owning. The rights to this music when you know the artists should retain some of that as well right um so it's that's that's good to know that you know they at least control it from that standpoint but you know white christmas is you know just to interject a little bit has become a a staple for us as well um you know especially the film it was something that uh, my wife's dad um and my daughter got to bond over when we moved out to Arizona and, you know, got to spend some time with him before he passed. And, you know, they would tease each other from some of the different 
songs within there, but you know, White Christmas was definitely mm-hmm. one of the ones that you know we watch now every year, and it's like our it's our grandpa movie and grandpa song and everything. So it's it's fun. It has a it has a special place in our hearts for yeah. sure. I definitely think it it set the stage for the American holiday songs with the longing for yesteryear. How a lot of songs do carry that theme through it. Um, and it also revealed a huge potential for marketing Christmas songs and instilling nostalgia um, that you'd want in Christmas evermore. Um, also interesting about this song, it, it hit number one for three weeks on the Harlem Hit Parade. One other interesting thing I um, found out about this song is uh, there was an interview with uh, Bing's um, nephew, um, Howard. And um, Howard said that the hardest thing that Bing ever had to do was sing that song in front of 100,000 soldiers in December 1944 at a USA, USO show in northern France. And um, that was just you know days and weeks before the Battle of the Bulge. So a lot of those soldiers he was singing to went into battle and didn't make it out of battle. And he said that was really hard to do, and which makes, makes me wonder, you know, when you watch the movie White Christmas, you, there's a scene at the beginning of White Christmas where he's kind of at a USO show. And yep. I wonder if that, um, that experience definitely influenced that scene in the 1954 remake, uh, not remake, but the, of the White Christmas when they made the, the kind of sequel to Holiday Inn. Yeah, I'm sure it had to have some effect on him, and he wanted to put some aspect of the you know soldier's military experience in there. It only makes sense that it would. You know, He's definitely come across as... A very conscientious individual, you know, throughout his entire career, and you know, it obviously was a big part of the intro to that mm-hmm. film, and obviously the the main storyline in it too, and especially the end. So yeah. I would I would say yes. Um, you know, this this song I picked it because it does make me reflect mm-hmm. on my childhood Christmases, and you know, I think ultimately we we long for something like that you know, for for not for just us but for our own kids to have an experience like that and, I, and that's why i think you know this this song's this this song has to be first on my list it just always does and it, it's a great song and that's why i put it there yeah and it is i mean it just captures the essence of the holiday season and the holiday spirit for sure you know so you know that's that's definitely uh, a good one to start off with um okay what you what what is <laughs> what is your first one? Well, before that, kind of you said some of the ones you considered, so I kind of like, all right, so I'll follow suit with that. Um, I put down the Wonderful Christmas Time, Paul McCartney. Oh, that yeah. One, that one was mm-hmm. always on all the time. I'd already said and mentioned Jingle Bell Rock by Hall & Oates, uh, Vince Guaraldi music for Charlie Brown. Um, New Element Christmas albums, those would come, I mean, they're a little bit mm-hmm. later, but still um, a part of when I was at least college age. There's one that we got when we were actually living in Arizona. Um, it's called Putumayo, or Putu, yeah, Putumayo Presents New Orleans Christmas. Oh, I bet you that's... So it's like jazzy and oh, whatever. Yeah. It's really cool. Is that something easy to find, do you think? Uh, you can get the CD relatively easy online. I don't know about records or anything, but definitely that one that one got a lot of airplay during the arizona years and even when we first came back i gotta put that one back in the rotation um the original grinch christmas theme Mm -hmm. or the grinch theme you know um and then just kind of going through today like oh the i want a hippopotamus for christmas (laughs) so it's more of a kid song (laughs) yeah and it's a silly song (laughs) and it's one that i had totally forgotten about threw me for (laughs) yeah you really just threw me for a loop on that one well and it's you're laughing because you know it too yeah it's it was everywhere again when we were growing up it's like that was always i like what is this ridiculous goofy song so if you don't know it definitely look it up it is worthwhile and it is entertaining for sure all right so what's your first my first is also a banger and it's the one i got the most information on but it is peace on earth little drummer boy with david bowie and the aforementioned bing crosby great great tune great tune you know remember same thing you know we always talked before about mtv being on all the time that was on and just kind of like what what is this and it was a, a different variation of the song and there's you know I'll tell you a little bit about the history and then the the combination of how it came to be but you know it has definitely stood the test of time 
And you know, I hear it, I stop, I just you know sing along and kind of close my eyes. And granted, my singing's poor, but either way, you know, again, it you takes mm-hmm. me back to that time in the '80s when we would hear it more, more, and more, and more. Um, and it was just, it's, it's, it's classic for sure. Uh, but it was written in 1941 by American classical composer and teacher Catherine Kennicott Davis. But it wasn't recorded until 1951. Okay. So it lay somewhere for 10 plus years uh, by the Trap Family Singers. And her inspiration actually came from a French song called Patapan, P-A-T-A-P-A-N. So, so she- when you say the Trap Family, family singers. Is, yeah, is this any? Is this not Von Trapp? But, no, okay. it's not the Von Trapps. Okay, because um, I looked at that too. I'm like, wait a minute, like no. So, okay, so it's not quite. <laughs> Just want to make that clear. Yeah, it's not quite circular that way. Like what? Six degrees of separation. Um, but to her, the title of this French song translated in the pa rum pa bum bum. So that's you know prevalent throughout the entire song is there. So she went on to write that one of the you know more iconic uh, Christmas songs of all time. Um, Little Drummer Boy has over 220 cover versions, and it has been recorded in seven languages. Really? Yes. So I didn't write down or talk, like, here are a handful, and there's a ton, but some of the more notable versions who have, or people who have recorded their version of Little Drummer Boy, Um, and it's a who's who of, like, are you kidding me? So, you know, bear with me here for a second, and I'll zip through it. Um, Johnny Cash, Johnny Mathis, Andy Williams, um, the German actress Marlene Dietrich, the Supremes, the Vince Guaraldi Trio, Joan Baez, Henry Mancini, who composed the Pink Panther theme, Lou Rawls, Stevie Wonder, the Jackson Five, the Brady Bunch, the, Tem- <laughs> the Temptations, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, Hank Williams Jr. I like the Joan Jett and the Blackhearts yeah. version. Ray Charles. Your boy Bob Seger and his Silver Bullet Band, um, Mannheim Steamroller, New Kids on the Block, also your boys, um, John Denver, <laughs> Neil Diamond, Kenny G, um, Apocalyptica, which is a group of celloists who do cover versions of anything and everything. Okay. I, have, I have a record of them covering Metallica songs, which is pretty epic, so okay. check that out. Um, Rush guitarist Alex Lifeson, Alicia Keys, Chicago, oh, yeah, um, yeah, Ringo Starr, Destiny's Child, Whitney Houston with her daughter Bobby Christina, King Diamond, hard metal act, heavy metal act, Chris, uh, Jessica Simpson, Boys to Men, Gladys Knight, the actor Christopher Lee, <laughs> which I saw I'm like, well, I got, wow, I got to put that in. All there. right, all right, <laughs> so you got. Yeah. You got a whole paper there full of yeah. just people that sang this song. Faith Hill, Bob Dylan, Ario Speedwagon, Mariah Carey, Wilson Phillips, Black Eyed Peas, Justin Bieber and Busta Rhymes, The Glee Cast, Richard Marks, Leanne Rhymes, Earth, Wind & Fire, Mary J. Blige, Susan Boyle of American Idol fame, and last but certainly not least, Pentatonix. So that makes me question, what's the most covered Christmas song there yeah, is? Exactly. You know, I, I just, I, I look back and I'm like, hey, there's, I've heard that version before, but I can tell you that I probably haven't heard uh, the King Diamond one. I definitely haven't no. heard. Like I'm going through them like, what? And they had it broken down by a decade. And there's still some people I left out that I didn't know, but those were some. You know who ones. you left out? Who did I leave out? Uh, Will Ferrell. No, you're, you're, you're killing me here, Smalls. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're killing me. You're stepping all over my stuff. Come on. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Come I'm sorry. on. All right. I'll let you, I'll let you go on. Man. <laughs> Come on. You don't think just because I don't always do my homework doesn't mean I don't ever do my homework. Yeah. I, w- I would have suspect you wouldn't, you would know that one. All right. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. We'll, Sorry we'll, to ruin it. We really don't. We really we'll, didn't say that. We'll get to that a little bit later. All right. Um, but again, the one that is the more iconic one is the is the Bing Crosby David Bowie pairing. Um, so, but long story short of this is that Bing Crosby was touring in Britain. He was recording songs for a Christmas special coming out. This took place in like September of '77, and they were having you know great British actors or whoever mm-hmm. record various songs with him. So Bowie initially said no; he didn't want to do it. And he changed his mind because his mother was a big Bing Crosby fan. So really? He, so he did, but then he didn't want to record um, Little Drummer Boy. 
He's like, no, I hate this. No, I don't want to do it. Because everybody does it. Yeah, because everybody <laughs> does it. And he's just like, no, 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 no. So the writers and producers of the show knocked out the Peace on Earth version in about an hour. And no then, kidding. Yeah, and presented that to him. And he goes, okay, we can do this. And then he agreed to do it and did so. But even then, he was still... Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't pleased with it. He didn't like it. Like mm-hmm. it was not one of his favorites throughout time because it eventually got released later as a single and he was upset about that, but he didn't have any, you know, rights to it because of the record company and whatnot. Um, but he wasn't but, you know, um Bing Crosby spoke very highly of him and said he was a clean cut kid and a real fine asset to the show. So he obviously <laughs> didn't know too much about Bowie, but you know, at least his appearance there. So he sings well, has a great voice, and reads does. lines well. So that was obviously appropriate. Um, and as uh, Randy had mentioned earlier, <laughs> sorry, there is a version with Will Ferrell and John C. Riley that's a parody on Funny or Die. But the thing is, it's good. It's good. It's, it's not. Good. You know, they save the humor towards the end. Yeah. But it's I, I'm I'm waiting to laugh and I'm like they're good. Yeah, it's like a line by line <laughs> recap of the original video, and then they do it and they're you know getting character and everything else, and then they go through and they sing it and it is it's good. It's it's, it's brilliant actually. Oh yeah, because you expect them to, you know, ham it up, be the, ham and ham it up and be themselves. Yeah, and they actually do it a great cover of it it is it's it's remarkable and it just shows the chemistry that those two have you know and not that it's similar to what bowie and crosby had and uh, bing had for this but it's still you know those guys together just make music literally yeah you know anytime they're together so that's my first well done well i'm impressed with the research man definitely impressed I can't believe you typed all those groups. I know. Well, that's the most I have. Everything was that else. a copy paste? No, that I, was a type. That was a type because I because there were several more. There were at least thirty to forty more that oh, wow. I that I left out. So, <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to go on to my second. Uh, my second. If you are walking in any um, mall, which most people don't walk in malls, especially today, but not anymore. You know, the, the Christmas shopping in the malls kind of uh, dwindled the past few years with Amazon. But if you walk, through, maybe you could play it on your computer while you're shopping on Amazon. <laughs> um, that's the new mall. Yeah, that's the new mall, and you know, just say, oh, put put the waitresses on, put yep. some Christmas wrapping on, and uh, so yeah, my next one is uh, Christmas wrapping by the waitresses, and the name is actually a pun because it's wrapped. Uh, it came out the same year as another female rap, rap that rapped a song, and that would be Blondie. Ah. Uh, came came out the same year as Rapture, and um, it it appeared. Um, it, you know, the video is weird. Yeah. When I you know when I went back and I kind of you know I'm doing my research and looking at, and the video is actually just the same takes as um, I know what boys like. Mm-hmm. So they, I mean, it's kind of almost like, oh, you guys got to do this Christmas song for this ZE Records because it was a, a compilation that they were put. They had, you know, their record company was like, we need you a Christmas, we need a Christmas song by you. Yeah, and so you know, they they put this this song out um, on. Um, they did it quick and. They they needed a video, so they took a bunch of. It looked like they took a bunch of cuts from their other videos and just put them into that. Um, <clears throat> it appeared, but it appeared on the ZE Records, a Christmas record, and it it also appeared in the 1982 album. It, I now I want you to listen to this. This is a title of an album. I could rule the world if I could only get the parts. So that's the name. I, I thought oh, that's an unusually long name for an album. And another song on that album <laughs> that they did, that the waitresses did, was the theme song to Square Pegs. What? You remember Square Pegs? Sarah Jessica Parker. Ah, yeah. So, and it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, the group didn't last long and it, it folded in 1984. The guy, it was written by Chris Butler. I mean, the vocals were by Patty Donahue, and the the lyrics actually came from Butler's hatred for Christmas, you know? And he supposedly finished writing it in the back of a cab on his way to the studio to record it. 
That's so 80s emo. Um, yeah, and he's like, I just took, and from I understand, they just took a bunch of unused riffs and, and you know, and put them together, and you know, for this Christmas song that they had to do. Um, it's a very circular song, you know, about the woman seeing the guy, not being able to, you know, get the date with the guy, and, and all coming back on um, New on Christmas on Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. and she's looking for cranberries, and she runs into him looking for cranberries. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to be honest with you. I really, I'm not a lyricist <laughs> at all. And, and, and this very hard, it's a very hard song to really listen to the lyrics. It is. And my wife, um, <laughs> she knows the lyrics. She, I mean, she, she's a lyricist. So she's like, oh, yeah, about the, the guy. And I'm like, is that, what real, is that really what it's about? And she's like, yeah. Don't you ever look at the lyrics? I'm like, no, I, I just like the beat. I'd, I'd listen. I remember this song, but I had no idea who wrote it. And I had no idea what the title was. And it's this to me was just the Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, yeah. Merry Christmas. Play some hearts, you know, some saxophone mm-hmm. or some uh, French horn or trombone or whatever. Right. Like hear the horns and then. But the horns are awesome. Yeah. I'm they a horn are. guy. I'm a horn guy. And then it's like da 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 da. Yeah. And so it, you know, it picks back up, but then the music is like the vocals are choppy, if at best, just. More they like are, talking, but they do tell a good story. Yeah, it and does. We were sitting around the table and um, two, two or three nights ago, and it was my daughter and her friend. Um, and her friend's like, "I hate that song." Just it's just says "Merry Christmas" over now. I'm like, "There's a story there." Yeah, and listen to it, and we played it for. Her, and Kathy's in you know the background singing the lyrics because she she's a lyricist. She knows uh-huh. every lyric. And in the, and the girl goes, "Actually, this is a really good song." <laughs> I'm like, "Okay, I convinced you. I did. I did my job." Um, this song was covered by, um, it was covered in 1998, um, and it, I thought it brought a refreshing sound to the song in the late 90s. It was covered by the Spice Girls. Nice. And I actually like it. Yeah. You know, I listen to it, I'm like, it's not, it's not a bad cover. And, you know, it, and it, it, I, it's actually a fun cover, and I enjoyed. But the originally, um, and it, what also brought attention to this song you know, it, it came out on that ZE Christmas album, I think, back in, 98, in, in 1982. But mm-hmm. it was released on a very special Christmas in 1987. And, and when it comes down to a very special Christmas... That's, I mean, that's the OG of Christmas that's the That's the OG of compilations. I mean, if, if you grew up in our time, that was an album everybody had. Yep. Probably on CD yep. or tape. CD, <laughs> CD more than likely because that was the new hot medium to get your music on for sure. And it was. It was, you know, and I, I've got a few from there, you know, and it's like you can't uh, grow up in the 80s and not have an association to multiple songs on that album. Right. You can't help but gravitate towards it like, yeah, there it is. Yep. All right, so we, we want to keep this around an hour, so we we, we got to speed through we, it. Yeah, you go ahead and uh, what's your next? one? So my next one is actually off a very special Christmas as well, and it is Christmas in Hollis by Run DMC. <laughs> Run DMC was my favorite hip hop band by far in high school. I loved everything about them. I loved their look. I love just the simplicity of their rhymes. They were clear. They were clean, so I could listen to them in front of my parents, and I didn't have to mm-hmm. worry about it. Well, not in front of them, but you know, I didn't have to like turn it down or worry about them getting mad or upset. Um, you know, it's gaining popularity due in part to their crossover with Aerosmith at the time. The video is funny. The song, and this is the actually the only song on a very special Christmas that is an original. Everything else is a cover version. So they have the only, they wrote the song just for the album. Oh, just for that album. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's been so on. So the other songs that have been, been recorded, they could be originals by the group, but they were on another album before is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. So like everything everything that's on that album is was written by somebody else and covered right. by the artists, whereas Run DMC's is the only original. And they were ones that initially they didn't want to do it either, but then somebody came with a good idea. They're like, okay, we'll do it. And it's just like, we'll tell this story about, you know, Santa and Hollis. And oh, Hollis yeah, Queens. man. That video is the best. It's the greatest. It's so funny. Because it, it, it totally puts a visual. Yeah. It's silly. Um, 
and it's been used in let's see it's been referenced in a you know series of different television shows most notably brooklyn 99 chuck uh the simpsons orange is the new black and mm-hmm. our, a couple one of our favorites the office um it's been in the 2018 grinch movie um daddy's home 2 and of course die hard you know the ultimate christmas movie i'm just kidding um <laughs> <laughs> but uh and it's the only original track the rest are covers you know just i'm just a, a big run dmc guy i love yeah. everything about them it's one of my things is non-wavered i still if you could put on a couple of their albums yeah. i can just recite it all I, I definitely i would love to know the number of people that bought a very special christmas for that song alone, yeah you know? exactly i mean it probably during that time it, it probably that's what drove a lot of the sales was if you wanted that song it's on there we got the other songs covered somewhere else yeah but we want that song, and because so it was it. well, it was the only place you could get yeah. it. So it's like, all right, this that's probably it was a good marketing plan, right. so they could try play, like that they needed to sell anymore. But that's my number two. Okay, all right, uh, my number three, um, uh, probably the most soulful soulful song on this on my list is uh, Donny Hathaway, and I had to put it. Oh yeah, because. I love Donny Hathaway. Yep. Uh, this Christmas. Um, you told me you were doing that. I just responded back and went, duh. I was, <laughs> yes, I'm, surpri- you did. I'm surprised that wasn't your first choice. So <laughs> it is It is. Uh, is by far the most soulful Christmas song you'll ever hear. And um, it's just, you know, gives aspirations of everything going on uh, right for Christmas. What's going right for Christmas, you know, not, not sad what's going right. Mm-hmm. And, um, I love it. It comes distinctly from the black experience. It was written in 1967 during the Great Blizzard by a postal worker, Nadine McKinner, hmm. who eventually was working, I guess, as a receptionist. And um, she shared her writing with Hathaway because I guess her boyfriend at the time was doing some interior design for the, uh, you know, Donny Hathaway. And he, he overheard that, you know, they're looking for new songs. He says, why don't you, you know, give them some of your songs? So this re- receptionist gave him her her lyrics and um um you know that that the lyrics had influences of Nat King Cole um and the the song is is a romance with the season um so Hathaway arranged the music and he not only arranged the music man they brought in some of Chicago's best they had local musicians involved with the recording Phil Upchurch on guitar Willie Henderson on saxophone Louis Satterfield of Earth, Wind and Fire on trombone um, and some of the members of the Chicago Symphony even added the strings so that I mean and these guys I said I mean their their um, resume is just un, unbelievable when you look at what who these guys played with and they were you know in Chicago and they put this this song together and um, at, it peaked um, on the Billboard Christmas singles um, at number 11 in 1972 okay um, it was it was first released in 1970 but to not much acclaim it gained renewed interest in 1991 on Atco Records and they on a revised edition of the 1968 Soul Christmas album um, today it's the 30 most performed holiday song of all time I I just I feel like this song it just the horns in it um I love the horns of this song and the anticipation of the holiday season this song portrays in its lyrics. Uh it's um it's a happy time to come. I love the drum intro and the piano his piano playing is just amazing. And I know this is kind of an offshoot from um from Christmas but in my opinion, Hathaway created some of the most stunning soul music ever created. Oh, yeah. And if um, you ever get a chance, and I would love to eventually, you know, talk about his, some of it, you know, him for an hour. And, um, Minimum. you know, I want to push that Donny Hathaway live album I have, um, Live from the Bitter End in 1971. Look it up, Live from the Bitter End in 1971. Songs like He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother, um, his piano on that is unbelievable um so one of my favorite days when i think of this christmas was shopping at shake it records and i think i was with you <laughs> and i found that copy of yeah, this christmas it's like oh man this is this is going in the jukebox every christmas like, as, soon as, we, not, as soon as we get home yeah so it was you were it like was a, excellent you're like a kid at christmas you know and, and and there are other versions of it um i love the trumpet and um glad gladys knight's version 
Um, it's been covered too many times. It's been, but nobody ever does no. it like Donnie. And like the first time I heard it was either through Pandora or Spotify or something. But it just it makes you stop. It's like oh, you take notice. Yep. And if a song makes you stop and take notice, you know that it is a special song. And you know, I had never really heard of Donny Hathaway up until you started talking about him. And then when I started seeing him come across some of my, you know, different streams of whatever I would have up, it was definitely um, something that, you know, yeah. just lived up to all the hype and yeah. expectation for sure. We'll definitely do a show on him. Oh, yeah. All right. What's your, what's your, I guess your third one. All right. Your my third, third I actually switched up. And originally I told you it was going to be uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town by Springsteen, but... I just, I wasn't feeling it for a little, I was doing a little bit of research on it, whatever. And then I kind of did another switcheroo and went back to a very special Christmas and did uh, Christmas Baby Please Come Home by U2. Uh, you know, a little band that you and I know something about. <laughs> a little bit. Um, so again, very off that, but you know, U2 was probably my favorite band at that time and still continues to be one of them. Um, you know, and like Run DMC, I was in on anything and everything that they did and put out musically. It's like if I could get a hold of it, I wanted it. If it was just a small EP, I wanted it. If it was, and it wasn't like I was, you know, Veruca Salt and Willy Wonka or anything, you know, like, Mommy, I want that. And should run around and do it, though my wife would disagree. But still, um, you know, originally the song itself was written uh, by Ella Greenwich, Jeff Berry, and the aforementioned Phil Spector. Oh, we're going to talk about Phil Spector. Yeah. Okay. And it was performed by Darlene Love. Now, Darlene Love was in the Crystals and the Ronettes, but she also sang with Elvis and your boys, Johnny Rivers, um, Sonny and Cher, Tom Jones, and the Beach Boys. There's so much crossover here. Yeah. There's so much crossover. And she was in the movie... Well, a couple, because there were some sequels to it, too, and everything. A movie that, you know, many of us have seen of this era as well. She played Roger Murtaugh's wife in Lethal Weapon and all of the subsequent sequels. Really? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, what? Because I saw a picture of her. I'm like, who do I, where do I know this woman from? She's in Lethal Weapon. Like, that is insane. That's that crazy. Is. That's super Another crazy. Christmas movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and she performed this song for 29 consecutive years on Late Night with David Letterman. Whether it was the ABC or not ABC, but the NBC or CBS show. So from 1986 to 2015, their very last live episode before they went on hiatus for Christmas, mm-hmm. she sang this song that's awesome that's fantastic you know um so it's you know just a little bit for that um specter also rewrote it and retitled it johnny please come home because he really liked the sound and the flow of it Mm -hmm. and she recorded that version so they would have something else to kind of put out and make more money off of my guess is um but the u2 version was actually recorded during a sound check in July of 87 in Glasgow, Scotland during the Joshua Tree Tour. I saw them on Joshua Tree Tour. Did you? In 87? Yeah. No. <laughs> You're not a real fan. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> you sound like some of the people on the Facebook pages now. <laughs> You're not a real fan. You're not a real fan. Um, but Darlene Love was actually part of the backing vocals of this track. So she was there at the sound check. No and, kidding. Yeah, and was on the backing track. And the video is them live uh-huh. in concert, but the actual one that's on the album is just sound check. So well, that as well, was, she should be on the backing. Yeah, vocals. so that was that was pretty cool too. Um, other people recorded this: Joy Ramone, Mariah Carey, Cher, The Offspring, Lady Antebellum, Dion, Michael Bublé, John Bon Jovi, The Foo Fighters, Melissa Etheridge, The Lumineers, and The Dropkick Murphys. Nice. Yeah, so a variety with this one as well. But again, very early, early, earliest Christmas movie tied to that you know, very special Christmas album. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, this is just kind of like right when our music appreciation was starting to grow and expand a little bit, mm-hmm. for sure. You know, so, you know, and obviously with the different, so anything that like this is 
a band that I like and it's in a different genre or different style. Um, anything new was intriguing to me. So it's mm-hmm. just kind of like, Ooh, where can I get it? And granted our access to music at that time was much more limited than now, but you know, it's definitely one that uh, takes me back again. All right. Wow. We're kind of going through these, aren't we? We're knocking them out. You know, it's interesting. You just mentioned Phil Spector and, and um, the next, my last two songs actually um, uh, he's got some influences in and, the first one uh, is um, I kind of did a curveball with this one, but it's a song that I, I love to listen to, and every time it's on, and it does take me back to my my youth and around that console stereo is uh, "Little Saint Nick" by the Beach Boys. Yes, and, you know this single was released uh, in December 9, nineteen sixty three. The B side, <laughs> not as rocking. The Lord's Prayer, <laughs> you know, but always good to ha- have. You know, uh, the. Um, it's considered a hot rod rock, you know. They're trying to. It had the the. Um, it it was inspired by Phil Spector's plans to record a Christmas album. Uh, and the the album was called "A Christmas Gift for You" from Phil's Records. This album had the Ronettes singing. There you go. It had the Sleigh Ride and Frosty, as well as Darlene Love singing "Winter Wonderland" and Santa Claus is Coming to Town. It Spector, you know, he was a master at that girl group sound. Oh yeah. And um, we'll, I'll talk a little bit later about the wall of sound um, that he created. But this song peaked at number three in 1963 on the Billboard Holiday 100. Hmm. The lyrics were supposed to be written by Brian Wilson. The lyrics were supposedly written by Brian Wilson when he was out on a date. <laughs> he rushed home uh, to finish the, finish the music. I can't imagine. I'm sure that Been out well. day going. Hold on. Yeah. Got to go home. <laughs> Got to go put music to this. I'll be right back. But the music structure structure was derived from the Little the little Deuce Coop. Their yep. song, The Little Deuce Coop. Because Little Saint Nick. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, it, in, in the 90s, there was a lawsuit, and Mike Love was also given some credit on, on, on the writing as well. Uh, the Christmas album, the Beach Boys Christmas album, then didn't come out until 1964. And we have it. I own it. And so I had, you know, I was like, this song, one of the, one of the things I love to hear is um, the line, the run, run, reindeer, reindeer. you know, and they get oh, yeah. real high. Yep. Well, you know, it's, I love, I love that song. You can't help but not sing along to that right. part. Right. And then you get real low, yeah. you know, and uh, bo, bo, it, bo. that line was inspired by Chuck Berry's uh, run, Rudolph run, but apparently he had some copyright issues with mm. using the word Rudolph. So they left that out of there. Um, the the song was also used, and I thought this is brilliant too. Um, at uh, way up north, uh, at the beginning, the first line, way up north, mm-hmm. um, it's using a Coca Cola ad with uh, the polar bears and the penguins. Uh, and I thought, oh, this that's just, cool. just just is perfect. You know, and um, unfortunately, this song uh, came out around. Um, the around the time right after Kennedy had been um, assassinated, oh. so not not what people want to hear on the no. radio. Not a cheery Christmas tune. Not a very cheery um, America at that time. <laughs> yeah, so um, just some bad timing on their part. Though uh, it was the album consisted of all originals on the first side, and then they did more traditional Christmas music on the back. I still own it. And play it every holiday season. Uh, scratches and all. Original copy. Yeah, or, or, scratches origi- and all. Original pressing. But it definitely takes me back, and it's it's that's my fourth one. Nice. Well, my fourth is also a curveball, and it's probably the epitome of non-traditional. Um, we were huge Star Wars fans growing <laughs> okay. up. We had any any and everything Star Wars merchandising wise. You know, it just came across, and it's not like we were all, like, super nerds and everything, whatever. Yeah, we're all nerds in our own way, but there was the Star Wars Christmas album that was always playing in our house around Christmas Mm -hmm. time. And off of that was the What Do You Get a Wookiee for Christmas When He Already Owns a Comb. And if you've never heard it, you can't really get it anywhere. No, you can't. It's, it's, <laughs> I think I, there's a reason why. Yeah, and it's, but it's one of those where it's so bad, it's good. And not, no, I won't say good, but 
you can't help but laugh. Like people are being highly critical. Like, oh my God, this is so awful. Like, yeah, it is. That's part of the joke. That's part of the joke. They even had a disco album like by the same people. So like Miko Minardo was the producer and Maury Yeston wrote the music and lyrics to most of the songs on this album. Okay. And he sang the song, the lyrics are sang. Um, by the writer? No, he sang this song. So, and Maury Yeston is a Yale music professor who went on to become a Tony Award winning Are you Broadway me? musical composer. And this is just a... Are you kidding me? No. This is a joke. Okay. It's like a silly, hokey... For those of you who have not looked this song up... Cheesy. I think you'll look it up once. Yeah. And only once. Yeah. But it's just like, I can't help but hear it. Like, it takes you love back. and understanding... <laughs> And just kind of like, oh my God. Well, you know, I, I know why you can't find any copies of it. It's just like the holiday special itself. Well, because Lucas, Lucas had everything. Yeah, he <laughs> bought it all up or got rid of got it or rid did of whatever. as much as he could. Like, too bad for YouTube. Too bad he can't. You can't, you can't get it on iTunes. You can't find it anywhere on Spotify. They talk about it, but there's nothing there. There's links to it on YouTube, so you can download it there or listen to it there. But you... It's it's bizarre. Like they had, I went and looked. Oh, just like the this like the special. Yeah, they went and I think we have a copy of that somewhere too. But um, like the it's hokey cheesy everything. If you go on Amazon, there is an Amazon exclusive edition that includes a deluxe CD, um, a limited oh red vinyl LP, and it starts at nine hundred dollars. Are you kidding me? No. There's another per, there's like two CDs for sale through Amazon that are both starting at $900 as well. But then there are some used LPs, but they only range from 73 to 115. But save your money. Yeah, we're not I'm not buying that. Like if I'm going to spend something on Star Wars merchandise, then I'm going to spend 100 bucks. I'm not buying this record. My parents have the original tape from the 80s. Okay, so I was going to ask you. Now, I vividly I vividly remember Sitting down in front of the TV, the console TV, when that's when that Christmas special came out, yeah, and expecting to be blown away because I was blown away at the movies. <laughs> the and they're opposite. in a Wookiee village with these Muppet-looking things. Yep. No. And then they're it, it, correct me if there. I know there's stormtroopers in it. I think does so. Darth, does Darth Vader make a cameo in it as well? I, I think he does, but then at like the end, I'm like, this is weird. This Wookiees, doesn't mix. The Wookiees are talking, and there's no subtitles, so you don't know what they're talking about. It's, it was horrible. I hated it. They're celebrating Earth Day or Life. Yeah, li- that was li- it. Life Day. Yeah, I was. And it's is very hard to wrap your head around as a kid, you know, especially coming off yeah. of the movies. And, and I know we're supposed to stay, stay positive on this, but uh, <laughs> but it's just it's cheesy. Wow. But wow. but then looking up more research, the album also features the very first professional recording of John Bon Jovi. What? Bon Jovi sang the lead vocals on another track called R2D2 We Wish You a Merry Christmas. And that was that was his first recording. That was his first professional recording. There you have it. Donnie did his research. And guys. how it went down <laughs> was his cousin Tony was a co-producer on the album and he ran the recording studio where it was recorded and John was sweeping up the floors as a job there and <laughs> okay. so he was able to you know and he sang obviously so they're like hey we need you to do so this Merry Christmas R2D2 got us foot in the door yeah so that's some of the bet you didn't know history and if you did it's like whoa okay whatever <laughs> Um, and it reached 69, dude, on oh the Billboard Hot 100 chart in 1982. So this song, as wait, bad as wait, it wait. is... Wait, wait, wait. The Billboard Hot 100 or Holiday? Hot 100. The Hot 100 in 1980 oh reached... Oh, my gosh. 69, dude. Boy, what songs came out in the 80s? Oh, my gosh. So that's that's my little... You know, I remember us doing our little <laughs> goofball kid dances just to the song and whatever and just kind of you know and the Wookiee and oh this is funny can we play it again can we play it again because I called my mom and asked I go do you guys what do you still have with that and she goes well we have a CD but they had like a repressing mm-hmm. or re-release and then they have the original cassette All right. which you cannot find anywhere so well there's they the need to put it on Amazon get $900 for it. <laughs> if possible. <laughs> All right. Some dummy will pay for it. Moving on. Moving on to my last. Um, my last song. I, I really struggled with um, these songs, but I, 
and picking just five. And we'll do one right. next year, holiday mix. And we are doing a holiday mix. We're putting it together on Spotify. If you want to, we'll give a link with the show. So yes. please make sure to go to that. Yes. And one song that won't be on the Spotify link is the one we just talked about. Because yeah, so <laughs> if you don't want to listen to that, it's separate. So you don't have to worry about it. You're going to have to go to YouTube or something. Um, so my last song uh, is by the Queen of Christmas, Mariah Carey. Of course. All I want for Christmas is you. And I know everyone's going to be like, of course it's on. But if you're doing your first holiday mix and you put your first holiday mix show together and you don't have this song on it some shame on you shame on you something's wrong and i just felt like you know i've got to do this song justice you know my wife really wanted me to put tom petty on and i love i love petty's song too but i i just had to go with this song um mariah felt like she was too young to do this christmas album i mean she she it's only not, had a few albums out. It's and, not cool to do Christmas right, albums when you're Right, something you say to finish your record contract yeah. with. So she took a, ri- a risk by creating this original ho- um, holiday song. And it, it's really rare for you know these songs to become hits. Um, when, when recording in upstate New York... Uh, she uh, wanted to put some. She wanted to get into the spirit, and this is in August, by the way. Yeah. And she uh, put on a wonderful life, and she put up. You know, she decked the studio with Christmas decorations, put up a small tree, and this is '94, and she she did this in the middle of summer, and I, something something inspired her. Um, she wanted the songs to reflect on childhood memories, but also intertwine a reflection of a, a long lost love. She wanted to make it sound like a classic, which she did. And um, it's, you know, a, a timeless. And when I think of a Christmas song that's a classic, it's a timeless song with a new, it had a new twist. Oh, yeah. Um, the beginning of the song kind of gets you gets you lost in the, a, a snow globe. If you're kind of, wa- if you're listening to it, you're like, yeah, I kind of feel like I'm in, you know, like there's a snow globe. Mm-hmm. And you hear those jingles and jangles. And, um, and she wanted to do something to incorporate the Phil Spector, Spector Motown Girl group sound. She wanted to make it like um, the Ronettes, um, give you like you're in the 50s and the 60s, and uh, but put a modern twist on it, which she did. And, and we talked about Phil, and we talked about his sound, and it's also known as the Wall of Sound. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. But after you know, I looked it up, and I, and I was like, okay, I kind of get it. So uh, the Wall of Sound was a formula where the sound carries the song. Even if the material isn't the greatest, it carry, it creates an unusual, unusual dense orchestral um, aesthetic that comes across well through radio and jukeboxes. And I liked hearing that. And if, if you put this on, it does. The, the, mu- the music and the sound carries the song. It uses multiple instruments to double and even triple the parts to create a fuller, richer sound. Some examples, the crystals, the... Do- the um, do Ron Ron and mm-hmm. um, many of the Ronette songs could be examples of um, and then she these kissed songs. me yeah so um, it, this song this you know All I Want for Christmas is You it's um, an up-tempo song composed with pop soul R&B gospel and even dance pop influences which to mix all that and put it into the way she did is incredible. It's talented. And then, you know, whether you like, oh, it's okay, it's it's hokey, it's this, it's right. that. It's great. Just like the Spice Girls song is great. Right. Like, I don't care it's by, it's by the Spice Girls. Right. It's like almost, it's like I'm revisiting everything that I didn't like or was like, oh, or kind of sloughed off before. Like, it's fun. And she's constantly putting out, vi- I mean, like, she, the, she put out two more videos for it last year. Yeah. And I mean, she, this song... I mean, it, it's broken Guinness Book of World Records, highest charting holiday song on the Billboard U.S. Hot 100 by a solo artist, the most streamed track on Spotify in 24 hours for a female artist. Um, she, most of the week, most weeks in the U.K. Um, singles top 10 chart for a Christmas song. And guess when this song finally hit number one on Billboard? Last year. Last year. 2016. Or December 16th, 2019. 25 years after it had been released, it finally hit number one. Some consider it the unofficial song of Christmas each year. That's a travesty. Should have been number one much sooner. Here's the most interesting fact I found out. A British farmer put the song on a loop and swears that his goats produce more milk. Uh, (laughs) Whatever it takes, man. Whatever it takes, man. But what I think what I love about this song the most is – 
and I wonder if this movie uh, put it kind of kind of gave it some increase in sales in 2003. One of my favorite, probably top two two or three Christmas movies is Love Actually. Mm-hmm. And um, if you haven't seen, have you seen Love Actually? No. Okay, um, I'm going to tell you this right now. Um, you need to go home. You and your wife need to sit down and watch Love Actually. Because if there's any of, any of a feel-good movie around this time of year, Love Actually is one of the best. Consider it done. Um, and it's in that movie, and it's one of my favorite scenes in that movie when that song is being played. So um, when I think of what song epitomizes Christmas to me, it's in one of my favorite movies. Um, it's on the radio all the time now. It's that song. Mariah Carey, I mean, she, she's, she's the queen of Christmas. Absolutely, without a doubt. And kind of segueing into one of my favorite Christmas movies is the theme song to the movie Christmas Vacation. Ah, yes! So that came out in 1989. Uh, Randall and I were high schoolers. And I remember seeing the theater and just thinking, oh, it's funny because Chevy Chase is funny. Vacation was funny. Um, Fletch is funny. You know, everything that we had seen in Saturday Night Live, you know, here and there was funny. But it wasn't like something like, oh, I'm going to watch this every year for Christmas for the rest of my life. You know, and while it didn't start off that way, it's turned out that way basically ever since uh, mm-hmm. my wife and I have been together. Um, but it was written by Barry Mann and Cynthia Weil, who are husband-wife songwriting team. Um, but it's performed by Mavis Staples of the Staples Sisters. Yep. And, you know, it's just the fun little catchy song and you just jing-a-ling-ling-ling. You know, but it's I a think- great tune. It is a great tune, and it you know it intros the movie. It's in the opening credits. It's got the you know the cartoon Santa going here, there, checking Clark Griswold, checking this, um, you know, and it's just the, the obviously the movie gets more notoriety than the song, but you know the movie's cheesy. It's funny. It's you know it's it's ideal. It's ups and downs. It's crazy family. It's unexpected. Yeah. You know hiccups in the holiday season. It's got everything that has occurred to all of us at one point or another. Um, you know, and I can't help but just think of back back then, but especially you know my Christmases with my with my wife and daughter. You know, it's again coming back to to that to where you know we're younger, but then, like you said, making those experiences for our kids as well. So, you know, kind of wrapping it up quickly, but you know that was definitely uh, one where I'm like, oh, because that same thing, mm-hmm. I got to like four, and I'm like, okay, and I had some, and I had a bunch crossed off, and then like, eh, like oh. Christmas vacation. Duh. There we go. Boom. So that's my five. Very nice. Very nice. Well, uh, we've got 10. We just did it. Yeah. And we uh, kind of, we got a couple minutes to spare. Um, <clears throat> I wanted, you know, we always do a scene in concert. Have you ever seen a good holiday concert? No, nah, I saw Jingle Jam one year, but that wasn't necessarily holiday related. Okay. You know, they had, I think, uh, Bare Naked Ladies was there. That was the main band we wanted to see, but I didn't. They might have had a Christmas song version uh-huh. in there, but that wasn't like the main focus of okay. it. But nothing specifically Christmas show. Something odd I learned about the Bare Naked Ladies real quick. Um, their Christmas album when they first put it out, oh, yeah. they well, sold it. You know, mm-hmm. along the tour, mm-hmm. um, sold it on a flash drive. Really, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, flash drive. You're dating us again. Dude. I know, man. But isn't that funny? They thought, yeah. oh, let's try this new form of media, a uh, flash drive. Jesus. So uh, I thought that was an interesting thing. Um, we concert. Might, I think the, we do have that somewhere. The concert uh, that I come, I got to see Harry Connick Jr.'s holiday show at the Morocco. Nice. And man, the um, crooner. Yeah, the, he's he's a crooner, and, and, and with Kathy and I, you know, we love Harry Connick. And, and since we started dating, and we actually seen him a few times, but it was a special show. It was a, it was so much fun. I actually looked up the date. It was December fourteenth, two thousand three. Wow. I found it on online, and uh, I think that's the last time we rode in a limo was someone's birthday. <laughs> we rode in a limo, but um, it was a great show. Uh, what's your best driving song? I got the Christmas. Please come home. Okay, just I, did that real quick. Yeah, I did Christmas rapping. I just I yeah. love I love uh, it's a great song. Um, there's one more thing I want to mention. Um, the what would be worth a listen for you? Um, I besides put, the Wookiee yeah. song. Yeah, well, you know, I've got the "Put a Little Love in Your Heart," Annie Lennox. You know, that's on mm-hmm. Scrooged, so that's that's fun. Obviously, do they know it's Christmas? Um, I like the Santa Baby by Eartha Kitt. 
The, oh yeah, that's, that's a, a great one. That's a good one. It's just kind of like ah, uh, yeah, you know. And I already mentioned all the Charlie Brown music, mm-hmm. but the the Santa Baby by Eartha Kid is definitely one that doesn't get enough love. All right, I would have to tell you guys right now, um, if you have never heard it, and, and this is my soul coming out, is uh, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Definitely. It's a holiday soul party. Yep. They've got great holiday soul songs. Funky Drummer Boy, Eight Days of Hanukkah. I've been, I've been, I, today we have eight days till we get out, and I put eight days on left on the uh, board, and I've been humming eight days, you know, I've been uh-huh. humming that song all day. And then uh, uh, she does a great White Christmas as well. So um, if you get a chance, listen to Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Um, yeah. The, uh, it's a holiday soul party. And the Puda Mile presents New yeah. Orleans Christmas for sure. Well, we want to thank you for tuning in for uh, another uh, uh, episode of the music that makes us a, a kind of a different one, a special one. It's been great kind of going back over some holiday songs. If you guys get a chance and if you're still listening, uh, click on the link. We got the Spotify <laughs> link there with our list. And, you know, while you're doing your Christmas shopping, go ahead and put the Spotify on in the background and see what you think. Feeling festive. All right. Uh, thanks again for listening and uh, we hope you have a great holiday season take care everybody happy holidays <laughs>